Back to Basics 2.0, Sharp Safety, by Aaron Kyle. Healthcare workers are at risk for needle stick and sharps injuries, especially those who work in fast-paced environments such as the OR, where the handling of sharp instruments and devices is prevalent. Although the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA's, Bloodborne Pathogen Standard has been in place since 1992, needle stick and sharps injuries continued to occur. According to 2022 data from the International Safety Center, 40.6% of all reported needle stick and sharps injuries occurred in perioperative areas, that is, the OR and post-anesthesia care unit. The top three devices that most frequently cause injury are suture needles, disposable syringes, and other unspecified needles. In the perioperative setting, the prevalence of needle stick and sharps injuries among medical students and surgical residents who are beginning their clinical experiences has been significant. In 2020, researchers surveyed 138 surgical residents at one U.S. hospital and found that 68, 49%, had experienced at least one needle stick or sharps injury. The reporting rates for the injuries ranged from 64% for orthopedic surgery residents to 100% for urology and oromaxillofacial surgery residents. When responding to a question on why they did not report needle stick and sharps injuries, the most common reasons were associated with the amount of non-patient care time required for paperwork completion and injury evaluation and treatment. Six, 67%, of the nine anesthesiology residents participating in the study considered fatigue to be a contributing factor for needle stick and sharps injuries. Medical students and residents are more vulnerable to sharps injuries and are less likely than nurses to report such injuries. Dedicated sharps injury prevention education sessions that address the need for expedited reporting and treatment and streamlined reporting processes for needle stick and sharps injuries may encourage consistent reporting and lead to improved workplace safety. Some researchers suggest that educational interventions regarding sharp safety can reduce the incidence of sharps injury and increase reporting of injuries. However, Results of a Cochrane systematic review with meta-analysis show that these improvements tend to be small and short-lived. The AORN Guideline for Sharp Safety provides comprehensive recommendations that perioperative teams can implement to reduce the risk of sharps injury in the perioperative setting. The guideline focuses on the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH's, Hierarchy of Controls to Guide a Structured Approach for Prioritizing Interventions to Reduce Injury Risk. The guideline provides recommendations for each element of the hierarchy, that is, elimination of the hazard, substitution, engineering controls, administrative controls, and personal protective equipment, PPE. This article outlines the basic components of an effective sharp safety program to prevent needle stick and sharps injuries. It focuses on the shared responsibility between the organization and the individual perioperative team members. Readers should review the entire sharp safety guideline for comprehensive information on this topic. Practice Point Organization Responsibilities 
Healthcare organizations must adhere to the requirements set forth in the Needlestick Safety and Prevention Act and the OSHA Bloodborne Pathogen Standard. The Needlestick Safety and Prevention Act required OSHA to modify the Bloodborne Pathogen Standard to address engineering controls, sharps with engineered sharps injury protections, and needleless systems. Specific employer requirements of the Needlestick Safety and Prevention Act include 1. Updating exposure control plans with annual documentation of the review of new technology and the decision-making process for implementing this technology. 2. Creating and maintaining a SHARPS injury log that includes information on the device used, that is, name and brand, the location where the SHARPS injury incident occurred, and a description of the incident. And 3. Actively seeking input from frontline employees during the safety device selection process. According to the NIOSH hierarchy of controls, the most effective methods of preventing SHARPS injuries are through elimination or substitution of the hazard. Employers can reach this level of control by making safer alternatives to SHARP devices available for use in the perioperative setting. For example, a skin stapler instead of suture for incision closure, an electrosurgical device for skin incision instead of a scalpel. The next most effective method of reducing the risk of injury is implementation of engineering controls that isolate individuals from the hazard. Engineering controls that personnel can use in the perioperative and procedural settings include single-use scalpels and hypodermic needles that incorporate safety-engineered features. For example, no disassembly or blade removal required. Devices that allow for retraction or shielding of the blade into the handle during transfer between healthcare professionals or when not in use, and scalpel blades with rounded tips. In the event that an employer determines that a safety-engineered device is available, but its use is not feasible, the employer must determine the engineering and work practice controls that personnel must use to minimize the hazard without compromising patient care. Administrative and work practice controls are not as effective at reducing the risk of Sharp's injury as elimination, substitution, and engineering controls, but they are an important part of the exposure control plan. The employer should develop and implement policies and procedures that focus on the way that personnel work with Sharp devices to reduce the risk of injury. These policies and procedures should include using 1 a hands-free technique or a neutral zone when passing sharps. For example, blades, needles, sharp medical devices. 2. A no-touch technique when loading, manipulating, and removing sharp items. And 3. Safe injection practices, such as disallowing recapping of needles and, when unavoidable, requiring a one-handed scooping technique. Although PPE is the least effective strategy for preventing Sharp's injuries, personnel should use it in conjunction with the previously described strategies as part of the overall Sharp's Injury Prevention Initiative. Healthcare personnel must use PPE during care activities with the potential to expose them to quote, blood or other potentially infectious materials, end quote, and employers must provide the PPE at no cost to the employee in an accessible location, and in appropriate sizes. 
Practice point. Team member responsibilities. Each member of the perioperative team is responsible for knowing about Sharp's safety. They should actively participate in activities that reduce the risk of Sharp's injury to themselves, their patients, and their colleagues. These activities can include using Sharps with safety-engineered features, using a neutral zone, and wearing PPE. They also should be familiar with the facility's exposure control plan and report Sharps injuries when they occur. Perioperative personnel should adhere to the facility's policies and procedures associated with the hierarchy of controls and use the most effective method available to prevent a needle stick or Sharps injury. They should participate in initial and ongoing education and competency verification activities on the principles and performance of SHARP safety practices. Because frontline staff member input on SHARP's prevention technology is required by the OSHA Bloodborne Pathogen Standard, qualified perioperative team members must participate in the identification, evaluation, and selection of such technologies. For example, safety needles, retractable blades, for use in the perioperative area. Their input on the functionality of Sharp's injury prevention technology is essential when considering and trialing items for purchase and use. During most procedures, scrub persons should wear two pairs of sterile gloves that are different colors, that is, a perforation indicator system. Double gloving provides an additional protective barrier thereby reducing the risk of exposure to bloodborne pathogens resulting from glove perforations during procedures. Use of a perforation indicator system can alert the wearer to a perforation that might have otherwise gone undetected. When a scrubbed individual identifies a glove perforation and suspects that an injury has occurred, they should remove the gloves and gown and assess the skin for damage. If an injury has occurred, They should wash the area with soap and water and report the injury according to the facility's policy. If no injury has occurred, they should perform surgical hand antisepsis before re-donning a sterile gown and two pairs of gloves and returning to the procedure. Practice Point Disposal of Sharp Devices Needle stick and Sharp's injuries can occur during disposal and transport after use. The risk for injury can be mitigated by implementing safe practices in the perioperative setting. The scrub person must contain and isolate sharps in a containment device that meets the OSHA bloodborne pathogen standard. Such devices must be puncture-resistant and labeled, that is, orange or orange-red and contain the word biohazard and biohazard logo in a contrasting color, or color-coded, that is, red. The sides and bottom of the containment device must be leak-proof. If a sharp item is either intentionally or unintentionally removed from the sterile field, the RN circulator should don gloves and use an instrument to retrieve it carefully, show it to the scrub person, and then place it in a sharp's containment device or counter. The RN circulator should avoid taping a counted sharp item to a count sheet or board. If the RN circulator cannot find the sharp item, they should communicate information about the missing item to personnel who may be involved with post-procedure activities. For example, environmental services and sterile processing department staff members. 
Perioperative personnel should discard all sharps at the end of the procedure after all counts are reconciled and the patient has been transported from the OR. When disposing of sharps, personnel should maintain sharps containers in an upright position and avoid overfilling them. The scrub person should place reusable sharps in a separate location from non-sharp instruments before transporting the instruments to the decontamination area. Perioperative personnel should select and use sharps disposal containers that meet the needs of the teams who will use them in the operating or procedure room. When selecting sharps containers, teams should consider the containers. 1. Stability. 2. Durability. 3. Resistance to leaks. 4. Closing mechanism functionality. And 5. Appropriateness for the sharps used in the area. Personnel should verify that the design of the container prevents tipping, minimizes exposure to the contents, and avoids increasing the user's risk for hand injury when latching. The container should accommodate the sharps requiring disposal. For example, the size and shape of a container required in an OR, where surgeons perform orthopedic or percutaneous vascular procedures, will likely be larger than a container in an OR, where surgeons perform open general surgery procedures. Personnel should place sharps containers in an accessible location near the point of use and with no obstacles in the path from the point of use to the container. The selected location should provide visibility of the container's fill level and facilitate container removal before overfilling occurs. Conclusion Perioperative personnel should prioritize sharp safety. Needle stick and sharps injuries remain prevalent in the fast-paced OR environment where the need to handle sharps is common. Sharp safety is a shared responsibility between the organization and each team member. The employer is responsible for providing engineering controls, administrative controls, and PPE to minimize the risk of sharps injury. Each team member is responsible for actively adhering to the facility's policies and procedures, which are intended to protect them. Perioperative personnel can use the NIOSH hierarchy of controls when collaborating to prevent Sharps injuries. They should use the highest levels of control, that is, elimination and substitution, when possible. Personnel should dispose of contaminated Sharps in a container that meets OSHA criteria and separate reusable sharp devices from non-sharp devices before transporting them to the decontamination area. Adherence to recommendations for sharp safety should help perioperative personnel avoid sharps injuries. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains three knowledge checks. I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, Organization Responsibilities. Connor, a materials manager, is working with Tyler, the main OR nurse manager, at a regional medical center to identify a new disposable scalpel for purchase that is less expensive than the one currently in use. He tells Tyler that the new scalpels are equivalent to the scalpels that surgeons currently use. Tyler approves the request and tells Connor to move forward with the change. Tyler recommends that Connor mention the new product in his report at the next staff meeting. A few weeks later, Dwayne, an RN circulator, and Elijah, a surgical technologist, attend the department staff meeting 
during which Connor lists the various product backorders and planned substitutions. He asks for two staff members to participate in an evaluation of safety needles, and Dwayne and Elijah both volunteer. At the end of his presentation, he announces that the disposable scalpel changeover will start at the beginning of the next month. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Elijah B. Dwayne C. Tyler or D. Connor I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Tyler did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, Team Member Responsibilities. Weezer is a recently hired RN in the main OR of an academic medical center. Because she has previous scrubbing experience, she is assigned to be the scrub person for an open urological procedure that is expected to last at least four hours. At her previous facility, Weezer wore one pair of gloves, so she was surprised to learn during her onboarding process that double gloving with an indicator system is required at this facility. Weezer tells Shelby, the RN first assistant, that she is concerned about wearing two pairs of gloves because she believes her fingers will become numb. Shelley advises Weezer to wear a larger-sized glove as the outer glove. Weezer performs surgical hand antisepsis and dons a sterile gown and two pairs of gloves, as Shelby recommended. She prepares the sterile back table, and after general anesthesia induction, positioning, and surgical skin antisepsis, she helps Dr. J, the surgeon, and Dr. T, the surgery resident, don their gowns and gloves. Dr. J declines a second pair of gloves. Weezer then helps the team perform surgical draping, passes the ends of the electrosurgical pencil cord and suction tubing to the RN circulator, and identifies a neutral zone. Dr. J makes the incision and hands the scalpel to Shelby, who places it on the mayo stand. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Weezer B. Dr. J C. Shelby or D. Dr. T I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. J did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the third and final knowledge check for the practice point, Disposal of Sharp Devices. Zeke, a surgical technologist, is the scrub person for a vascular procedure. During the procedure, he uses a neutral zone when passing sharps and places used sharps in a needle counting device on the sterile field. Dr. Yu, the surgeon, uses the neutral zone and accidentally drops a vascular needle. Aaron, the RN circulator, obtains the needle magnet and uses it to find the needle on the floor. Using a needle holder, he transfers the needle to a counting device to facilitate resolution of counts at the end of the procedure. Dr. Yu continues with the procedure. Approximately 30 minutes later, Garrett, another RN circulator, enters the room to provide break relief for Aaron. A few minutes after Aaron leaves the room, Dr. Yu drops another needle. Garrett locates it on the floor and uses a piece of tape to pick up the needle and secure it to the edge of the count board, so it is clearly visible for the count resolution process. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? 
A. Zeke. B. Aaron. C. Dr. Yu. Or D. Garrett. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Garrett did not follow the recommended practice point.